Welcome back to 7 Seconds to More. This is episode 42, our Al Horford episode. We've been waiting for this one. Uh, but I am your host, as always, Peter Howarth, joined, as usual, by Duncan Adele. Duncan, how are you? Doing well. You know, uh, Vic declared for the draft, as we knew it was going to happen, and excited to see him become a Charlotte Hornet. Oh, boy. You you think you're going to leap into the top three? Because I think, what, top three have the the highest odds like fourteen yeah. percent, then it's twelve and a half percent for Charlotte at number four. Yeah, you know, I did like the the simulation thing a couple of times, and uh, you get it every once in a while. The first time I got Charlotte jumped up to one, it was like sick. But then uh, we'll see. But I have, as a Hornets fan, I have that circled on my calendar, and uh, a little more excited than the playoff basketball. Although the playoff basketball has been great, it's been a long time since I've been like excited for the draft lottery this will be a good time but i remember it was it was a really fun time um as, as much as it sucks for like 364 days of the year being a lottery team uh the draft lottery day is special uh when the celtics had the brooklyn nets picks in 2016 and 17 uh 2017 they were projected the number one odds but you know it's never a, it's never a sure thing so i was i was on pins and needles watching the whole thing they get the number one pick they trade back jason tatum we all know how that has ended so far but i any anyone who's in the wimban yama sweepstakes good luck i wish you the best everyone wants victor um when he asks out in four years i mean that's another that's another scenario <laughs> but uh you know best of luck to hornets fans pistons fans rockets fans uh what else we're we looking at spurs yeah yeah. yeah, those are the big ones. Uh, speaking of one of those teams, uh, we're going to start here with full court press. First question, Nick Nurse, out as coach of the Toronto Raptors, already linked to several openings, including the Houston Rockets. Uh, where would you like to see him coach next? I think he could be a great fit in the, with the Houston Rockets. I mean, he's a former coach of the year, I believe. One of the... What was... Did he win as his, as a rookie coach? Mm-hmm. He is one of five yeah. head coaches to win NBA Finals in their first year. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, oh, yeah, it's in the notes. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, you know, the, the, the talent, the ability is there. And with such a young squad, you need a coach who's done it before and who can do it again. But then again, with the Rockets, like, maybe they need more than just a new head coach, although this can't hurt. I'm really mixed on the Houston Rockets because they're – young players they've got a lot of young talent but their culture is awful they are not setting a good like precedent and there's these james harden rumors that uh, we'll get to actually very shortly and i really don't have a direction for them and i feel like nick nurse gets he doesn't like young players a lot he plays them a lot of minutes and he just gets easily frustrated I, I have a couple of destinations that I was looking at. First one that came to mind was Atlanta, uh, but obviously they kind of jumped the gun, went with Quinn Snyder, great head coach in his own right. But I feel like Nick Nurse is a player who needs to take a team that's on the cusp, needs a, a culture change, um, needs someone to motivate veterans and some X and O scheming and push them to the next level. So my other two, where uh, the other two Texas teams, actually. San Antonio Spurs as maybe the possible heir to Greg Popovich, although Dustin Popovich will be coaching next year. So maybe Nick Nurse takes a year off, maybe does some media stuff, then eventually is the replacement for Pop. That would be really cool, going from great head coach to great head coach. My other is Dallas Mavericks. I think there's been so much, uh, you know, Jason Kidd and... And is he good? Is he not? That was our our poll question for last week's episode on Spotify. Um, And again, there's been so much like instability in that organization since they fired Rick Carlisle that I think Mark Cuban should just try to get a professional in the building and someone who knows what he's doing and just throw the bag at at Nick Nurse and hope he can write the shit. Yeah, I I think that would actually be a pretty good fit. Um, Although... It is different, kind of the the Raptors team that seems like it was very team oriented, and going to somewhere like Dallas where there seems to be no sense of team. It would be a, definitely a challenge for Nick Nurse, but he, that would be 
a good destination for him too because you know he'd get to coach Luca. He wouldn't be going to maybe the Houston Rockets with such a like weird future ahead of them. But then again, the Houston Rockets are a team that need good vets. I mean, who were their vets this year? Eric Gordon, who was traded, and then mm-hmm. I forget. There's one other slightly older Boban. Like hey, Boban, yeah. Like th- those are not the vets you need. You need a. I don't know, but then we saw in Toronto all of the fallout with uh, Fred Van Vliet. Um, so having just vets isn't necessarily a good thing. You, they do need to be quality veteran players to bring that team together, especially such young teams that are often looking for new head coaches. The one thing I am scared is if he goes to Dallas, I think him and Luca will get in some real shouting matches. I think they will not be on the same page all the time. Uh, but I mean, Nick Nurse is a good coach. I, I, he complains a lot. He's, I, I find him really annoying. But I guess him and Luca could agree on that. <laughs> uh, on to our second full court press. Uh, in the press conference, uh, wow, funny press press. Following their game four win over the Clippers, Sun stars Kevin Durant and Chris Paul praised Russell Westbrook's performance and fought back against his critics. Here are the full quotes. Kevin, Monty just mentioned that uh, he's never heard as much criticism for an MVP player as much as Russ gets. I mean, what do you think about that, and have you spoken to him about that criticism? About Russ? No, I don't. We don't. No, not about criticism. I mean, people going, people going, always criticize when you're successful and you know doing your thing for this long. You know, somebody gonna always find something um, that they don't like about you. But <clears throat> Russ has been resilient his whole life. He come to work. Don't say much, just come hoop. So, you know, when he's retired, people are going to really tell the truth about how they feel about his game. Right now, it's a fun thing to do is to make a joke out of Russ. But he, he, you know, the way he's been playing is since he got with the Clippers, showed everybody who he really is. I feel like the only people to do that, too, is the people who don't know basketball. Fact. You know what I'm saying? And don't know what it's like to compete. I know, for me, Russ is one of my closest friends. You know what I'm saying? And so... People that do that and talk crazy probably wish they could be in that situation. You know what I mean? So, yeah. When all is said and done, how will we remember Russell Westbrook? I maybe like we remember Oscar Robertson. Not that much. I don't know. Uh, like, because he was the one whose uh, record he took away um, mm-hmm. with the, uh, the triple doubles and everything like that. But, you know, longevity in the NBA is really hard to achieve. Even players like Allen Iverson, who was generational talent and a star, seems to have kind of faded from the, the, the public light and kind of the, the recency bias that we have in the NBA. So maybe we will remember Russell Westbrook as an underrated, like high grit, high motor player, but that does not necessarily mean that we'll even remember him as much as he's in the media today. Uh, funny thing about Alan Iveson, A, he was a cultural phenomenon. Unfortunately, a little before my time, um, I wasn't really able to experience that. But the other thing I see Alan Iverson currently at the moment is whenever I see these uh, like TikToks about these um, uh, the these like user the AI generated TikTok um, songs and stuff like that. Uh, everyone in the comments is always like, oh, wow, Alan Iverson really popped up, popped off on this one. Uh, so I, I find that really funny. But on the other side, I do think that Russell Westbrook, it's hard for me to tell because I feel like I'm really like, I'm I'm in too deep. I've been following him too closely, too far. Um, I think we'll remember him as a player who had great stats, uh, as somewhat relatively selfish. I uh, played with a lot of great players in his career, but he was never able to win. Um, I mean, that is the case with a lot of players. It's really hard to win a championship in the NBA. So I, he'll be he'll be down as one of the best individual players. Um, certainly one of the best athletes we've seen in the league in, in a long, long time. But unfortunately, um, he'll just be another footnote as a player who is great. And he'll be a Hall of Famer. He'll win or he won an MVP. But he will um, never be in that top, top echelon because he really never had any playoff success. Yeah, uh, and kind of seems like, I mean, it's unfair to say, but yeah, he doesn't doesn't work well with others. I mean, he had a great performance last night, or last night? 
the last game, game three. But is that, yeah. be- is that because um, there was no uh, Kawhi or PG, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, he was the star again? Maybe, maybe he is that kind of player, but he's not, unfortunately, at the prime of his career where he can be the guy for a team and not and for a playoff team as well. He can't do it consistently. I, I, he he scored like thirty seven or whatever it is, and that's always been the thing lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, since like twenty seventeen, eighteen ish with Westbrook, is that if you put him on a team, they're guaranteed thirty eight to forty wins, and they'll be competitive. Um, but it, it's getting that, getting past that, is making the next step uh, in the playoffs. Now we had some technical difficulties uh, a couple of minutes ago, Duncan. So what I was saying, I was saying about Allen Iverson is that um. You know, those like AI generated uh, songs that you'll see on TikTok. It's like, oh, I made an AI song with Drake. Yeah. The the top comments are always like, damn, Allen Iverson really be popping off. <laughs> uh, that's great. I do. Sometimes when we're talking about Allen Iverson or like I'll see a TikTok about Allen Iverson or something and they're talking about AI's stats or AI's, uh, it was about his uh, Reebok deal. Is it with Reebok's his deal? Mm-hmm. It was the AI Reebok deal. I was like, what are they doing with artificial intelligence in the shoe industry? But <laughs> that was not the case. I, I think it'd be pretty cool because what the people that are using artificial intelligence for like nice things and like somewhat fun, creative things is like asking it for concepts and asking it just for things like that. So you could be like, hey, I want a shoe that sort of like emulates the design of a lightning bolt um with a strap or something i'm sure it could come up with something really creative um anyways um our our third full court press sort of preface this foreshadowed it earlier uh in saturday's philadelphia win and sweep of the brooklyn nets the nets faithful chanted quote go to houston while james harden was at the free throw line so if that does in fact happen is philly the best destination for Damian Lillard, I'll actually take the take the ball on this one. I think it has to be. Uh, I it's going to be tough to find suitors for him because a clearly, if he's leaving Portland at this point in his career, it has to be a situation to win. And b I don't think, given the situation around the league and everything, there's going to be a better co-star than the likely NBA MVP in Joel Embiid. The issue is it might, because this would be a trade scenario, you might wreck the rest of Philly's core in trying to bring him there because I think any potential trade to get salary lined up and to get talent, you might be losing Tyrese Maxey and you might be losing Tobias Harris. That just might be the reality of it. Now, I don't know if there's some, I would have to pull up the trade machine and all that, but some convoluted sign and trade three-way deal where uh, you get the salaries lineup where James Harden goes to Houston and Damian Lilly goes to Philly and then something goes back to, I mean, I don't know what ends up going back to, to Portland in this scenario. Um, so I, I, I think it'd be the best destination for Damian Lillard on the court and having a co-star and a potential to win in a, in a big market. But I'd, I'd have to see the rest of that Philly team and like, are they good enough? I don't know. I think they could do it, especially if the East is anything like it was this year again. You know, uh, like in the West, they were very close from the plane and all that. And having that kind of performance in the East is closer to a playoff spot or play-in spot. So, and but I guess for Dame, it's not just about making the playoffs. It is about being that contender. I don't know. Uh, it's definitely like a, the best destination for him. I think out of all the the teams that could need a point guard if uh if Harden goes to Houston, but also like for what like if it, if it doesn't work out and he'd spent his entire career committed to the grind and then he finally left and then they just like kind of fizzle out in the first round of a uninspiring playoff series then you know you just staked your entire character and your commitment to something that didn't pan out. But then again, if you don't do it, then there's the what ifs. So it is an interesting. Interesting idea of Dame on another team in another jersey. I mean, we've seen the edits forever of Damian Lillard in different jerseys, but hmm. I, I've only seen him in the uh, Trailblazers and uh, uh, Monstars jersey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that what it was called in the new Space Jam? Are they Monstars as well? Uh, 
I I think they're called the Monstars. I mean, it, it was part of the Monstars like team. I don't know. I only watched that movie once. I did not go back and watch it again. <laughs> but also, like James Harden in Houston is disgusting. Like, or it, it's talking about we're talking about like having good vets. James Harden is the opposite of a good vet of a culture player. He's gonna be back with his favorite strip clubs and mm. just like I don't know, like. Maybe it's different for him in Houston with the history of Houston and everything like that and the potential to bring, like, revitalize the franchise a bit. But we've seen the James Harden effect a couple of times. It was, it was a little different in Philly, but then again, they already had a, a set culture. I don't think he had to contribute too much to that. But with a team that needs a culture and a culture guy, I don't know if James Harden is him in that. Well, also, it's just on the court. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, he's clearly someone who needs the ball a lot. I mean, he is sort of changed the way he plays a little bit where he's more of a distributor now than just like a, a score first guy. But there's only so much ball to go around. And so how is he going to build so many guards, yeah. yeah, I mean, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, both guys who need the ball. Um, also, you would think Shabari Smith Jr. needs the ball in order for him to develop. And then you're going to draft another top four likely guy. And Depending on who it is, if you draft Scoot, I mean, what are you doing? Ah. Yeah, that's great. Maybe, you know, if the Rockets get the second overall pick, it will be a Brandon Miller selection. Um, I don't know. That That is, it's just, it doesn't make sense. I think the go to Houston is just to mess with Harden, but would he stay in Philly? If you were James Harden, would you stay in Philly if you, I don't know, like, don't make it to the finals i mean i think i have to uh, then again i i think then we get back to this like what does james Harden really care about like we've questioned for a while ever since he wanted his pal westbrook in town i think then we were saying all right how much does this guy care about winning i mean we're just talking about westbrook great individual player great individual talent he's a great person as well great teammate but he's not someone who you can win in the playoffs of any significant level with so like if he goes back to houston okay he might be like the pariah he's definitely getting a stack shots at the toyota center strip clubs will be in great business um but <laughs> i don't I, I james harden's gonna be he's a great individual player he may be i uh, like the fourth greatest shooting guard of all time after jordan kobe and wade but it's like, what does he really care about? I think he needs to hitch himself to the best player in the league, which is Joel Embiid um, for this given season. I think the best player in basketball is Giannis Antetokounmpo. But I, I don't know. It's I think this offseason will be very revealing on what James Harden really thinks about himself, how much he cares about legacy, all you know, all that, all that talk show stuff, all that podcast stuff. <laughs> yeah, and with like him being a free agent right it's there's no uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh much more flexibility than the bags that people have been giving for harden and the trade and the picks and what whatnot like you can be a little more flexible and take a little bit more of a risk on james harden if you know all you're giving up is uh, salary cap and not necessarily like draft capital yeah there is that um although i do think it'd be hilarious if he you know, Brooklyn goes out and, and has this big trade package for him, and then they have to sell low on him for Philly. But even Philly has to, you know, they have to pay a little bit for him, and then he just ends up leaving and <laughs> going back to Houston. Uh, that'd be comical. Um, so now we're going to get into the, the meat of this episode. Uh, we're going to call it Round Ball Roundup uh, because it's been two weeks since her last episode. A lot has changed. Since then, we're going to take a snapshot of each first round series, pick our biggest takeaway either so far or moving forward through the rest of the series and the playoffs. Duncan, would you like to start in the West or the East? Uh, let's do the West. All right, pick a series. Um, I think we'll start with uh, Memphis, LA, because that's, that's been one that's been in the news cycle with uh, LeBron and Dylan Brooks and... The Dylan Brooks uh, nut tap leading to him getting ejected, like you know, like it's it's an interesting thing. But I saw I saw a cool thing on Twitter, um, going through kind of analyzing LeBron's like championship teams, and they made the argument that the team he has right now is 
the best out of any of his championship teams. You may not have like Wade and Bosch, but the guys after the stars are much higher quality than the role players he's played with in the past. So I'm interested to see what you think. I don't know. I'm not taking it as the gospel or not, but you know, him and AD and now all of a sudden like capable role players seems to be a winning recipe against what's been a very good Memphis team this season. Hmm. My gut says I have to take the 2016 Cavs um, because that was when Kyrie was just otherworldly. I mean, I, I swear, like, at least like a couple times a year, I go back and just look at the Kyrie highlights from that NBA Finals, and he's an absolute wizard. Um, and then Kevin Love uh, in his role was fantastic. And then you have J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert, Tristan Thompson. Matthew Delvadova, Richard Jefferson. Um, I'm probably forgetting uh, a couple, couple people there. But those teams, I thought, were were sneaky deep, and the veterans were so great in their role. Now this team's really good, and I think, I think part of that argument comes in with the way Anthony Davis is playing. Is it's mm-hmm. a player he's never played with in terms of the skill and the dominance of the big man. Chris Bosch had to sacrifice a lot when he went to Miami. He was a great player in Toronto and he was a great player in Miami, but he was not asked to carry the same role uh, on a team where you had Dwayne Wade just past his peak and you had LeBron entering the apex of his career. Kevin Love sacrificed a lot when he got traded to the Caps. Um, Great in his role. Uh, but sacrifice a lot. Anthony Davis is not sacrificing anything. In fact, LeBron is really taking a, a step back and saying, AD, this is your team. You should shine. Yeah, I think that that's what makes LeBron such a great player too, though, because there was a funny clip. I think it was before the series, but LeBron playing off ball of Austin Reeves. <laughs> like That's like a, the like Jeremy Lin and Kobe kind of kind of mean um, and situation. And it's just like, it's weird to see, but you know, LeBron's about winning. Um, you know, there's this reason he's been to so many, uh, finals and if this is the recipe for success, I think he'll, he'll take it and he'll be the, the one B player instead of like the one A player on a team. And I don't think he will necessarily care if he's the one B or if he's like the quote backseat, because well, let's say they win, win a ring this year. I don't think anyone is circling that ring and saying, oh, they, it's Mickey Mouse ring. You know, he wasn't even the best player. No one, no one's saying that. Everyone's saying that he is now at five rings and now he is, um, uh, you know, same amount as Kobe. He has passed Steph. Um, and he's one short of, of, uh, Jordan. And, and I think that that gets closer. Yeah. I mean, he's got his haters. They'll find a way. They'll find oh, a way. Oh, it'll, it'll be the Austin Reeves ring for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the Austin Reeves ring, the the John Morant gun ring, <laughs> the 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 Wiggins didn't play for a month, and the Clippers are imploding ring. Well, we'll get to these these topics here in a second. Uh, just my my takeaway from from that series so far, Memphis Lakers has been uh, the Lakers. I <laughs> they're just gonna win the West now, aren't they? They're they're gonna win the West. Uh, you know, I, I think we, I don't know if we necessarily talked about this at the time, but certainly people were thinking it and the discussion was, it was afloat that the, the pieces they got at the deadline, you're talking Vanderbilt, Russell, uh, um, Beasley, Bamba, even Hashimura, uh, Rui. Yep. There's the last one. Um, they just, they're, they're kind of similar to the pieces that they had when they won the title in 2020. I mean, Rui sort of fitting that Kuzma role, Vanderbilt filling the, um, I don't know, like the, not really, like the Contavious Caldwell Pope role. Um, they've sort of got these 3 and D guys and and these perfect role players not necessarily needing to be a high usage guy around LeBron. And so I think we're wondering, are they just going to be able to click I was a little skeptical about making kind of this identity change mid-season and, and trying to get it to work on the fly. It has, and they might be the team. I don't know if I'm ready to make this claim yet, but they might be the team in the West I have the most confidence in uh, wow. other other than Denver. 
other yeah i think i I think i still have to give denver their credit but just the way they're playing again there's an inevitability about lebron in this scenario that i just think they're i just think they're gonna end up running through everyone yeah and to their credit they've just been like they've been uh coached well by uh darvin ham right like darvin ham yeah i'm not Mm -hmm. coaches i'm I'm always second guessing myself but yeah but just the fact that you can allow Jaw to have a 40 bomb, 45 bomb, whatever it was, and it doesn't have a huge impact on the game and they still come away with the dub. Like, I think that's that's the signs of, of great coaching, of uh, like kind of the, the bend, don't break Bill Belichick kind of philosophy of uh, going with the game and finding the ways to win versus shutting down the best player, for example. Well, uh, the Grizzlies might have just shut themselves out with Dylan Brooks, the way he was shooting the ball when he, you know, t- takes things too far with uh, the flagrant two on LeBron. Um, you know, it's a Dylan Brooks experiment. I thought they were going to move on from him at the deadline. Um, certainly, I think they move on from him in the offseason. I just don't see it lasting any longer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then um, speaking of the other possible most confident option in the west what do you think of this uh this nuggets timberwolf series is the possible sweep and blowout um is that very indicative of the nuggets is are they back to their peak from the beginning of the season uh is like that end season slide over what do you think uh well i got i got a couple things on that uh, first i thought minnesota in the early part of the series not 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 where we're at right now they had the chance to potentially steal a game on denver because I thought they had a lot of momentum from the play-in. They were clicking. They were rolling. Denver had a couple games off. You know, they weren't necessarily up to playoff speed yet. Uh, and and I thought Rudy Gobert, after his one-game suspension, or I, I guess team-levied suspension, uh, I thought he was playing at a really high level. And Carl Anthony Towns was playing very efficient basketball. Um, but Denver, to their credit, they just rolled. Um, that sort of slump that you referenced, I think was an anomaly i think they had the one seed locked up Jokic didn't care about the mvp um and they just sort of coasted and they didn't care about about winning some of those games uh but in terms of where we're at at the moment um this is what i wrote for my my takeaways that i this sounds like a cop-out answer but dever looks really good but my, my question is if they have the firepower to last against their their likely next round opponent which would be the phoenix suns uh, again, I think this is something I talked about. This might have been in our second half storylines draft. Um, that we're looking at two teams that would be very different stylistically, whereas Phoenix has the ISO uh, mid-range uh, star power of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, guys who are ultimate playoff performers. Versus the the Spursian ball movement and and beautiful game of the Denver Nuggets led everything through Nikola Jokic. It's going to be a really exciting series, but in a series that's been super easy so far for the Nuggets against the Timberwolves, I don't know. Uh, I think Nuggets Suns will be. I think it'll be very very revealing very fast once we get likely to that point. Yeah, and that makes me kind of think of the 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 Suns Clippers series with the Clippers kind of having that like Spurs-esque uh, beautiful game without Kawhi and PG in the lineup and the Suns struggled against that they struggled against a team that didn't have their two best players and uh, someone like like Russ was able to kind of pick them apart even though they didn't wind up winning that game and Phoenix still came out on top I think the Nuggets are a much better version of that of that beautiful basketball and Maybe, you know, having the best players on the court usually wins you the game, which would be the case for the uh, Suns, I think. Um, but, yeah, I, I, they, they have better players, or the, the best, whatever. They have the best players on the court in that series. Mm-hmm. But I think Denver, with their organization and everything, if they don't get flustered, really could make that more of a landslide victory than the seven-game series we're anticipating. Uh, just because we're talking about them a lot, um, I don't really. We don't have a lot else to really say about Denver, but so it's been pretty ho ho hum. But with Phoenix and the Clippers, it, it it's funny with that talking about the beautiful basketball the Clippers have been playing. When you have injuries to your best two players that command such a high usage rate and such a high scoring burden, 
there's going to be a lot of shots to go around to, to fill those shoes of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. And so you've seen guys having to step up and take more of those shots. That's mainly Norman Powell, uh, obviously Russell Westbrook, uh, Eric Gordon, and Mar- uh, Marcus Morris. But there's a reason these guys are not high high usage players and are not the the um, meant meant to be in these roles. I mean, Norman Powell, he's a sixth man of the year candidate, obviously didn't win. Shout out Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, but when you have to fill those shoes, it's really, really hard. And you saw, I believe it was yesterday, Eric Gordon and, and Morris and Powell, their efficiencies were not good. And players are, they're in their role for a reason. Um, it's, it's a shame because I do think the Clippers were the better team in this series through the first couple games while Kawhi Leonard was on the court. Um, and so uh, it, it sucks that Kawhi, he's, he's currently without a, a timetable. Uh, I believe that was um, Chris Haynes that reported that yesterday. So I just don't know where we're at with the Clippers. Every year we think people pick them to win the title. I think I picked them as my Western Conference team in the preseason because, we, again, we see them on paper. We say it should be really good. Uh, but we never see it on the court. That's the issue. So how much longer is this going to last, uh, this this Kawhi era in, in L.A.? Yeah, they have one more year with both Kawhi and PG, and I kind of associate them together. They're like, they're the duo, they're the era. But what else do you have? Like, what what are your young pieces? Is it Bones Highland? Like, can you build a franchise around uh, uh, Bones? I don't think so. No. So I think if you're the Clippers, you either try one more year to do it like that, or you blow it blow it up completely while those stars still have some trade value with the uh, kind of ending contracts. But I, I don't know. I think the the Clippers are in an interesting position because they have they seem to have the organizational things going correctly. It's just they've had horrible injury luck, and um, yeah, they can't catch a break with uh, with Kawhi and PG. I honestly think the Clippers are like, or maybe they should be more like the Miami Heat of the West. They are star-based, and they're going to have, or they should have, a coach that is there for a while and establish a culture in Tyron Lue versus Eric Spolstra. But the issue is, Clippers don't have a culture. The Heat are known for having a culture, and they bring in a certain type of player, and they develop young players very well. And they, again, the Heat, they churn out these wins, and they churn out these high-level players like we've seen so far through their first round series. The Clippers don't really have any of that infrastructure. I I think they are built to be a team that imports stars and keeps sort of being a a big spotlight, a big market, but they need those other intangibles to be there. And I like Tyron Lue, the coach. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league, but they need to get everything else right. And I don't think they'll get everything else right with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in town, we might need to wait for the next era of Clippers stars and probably in their new arena in Inglewood for any of that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, that is a good reason to shake things up. So um, maybe, maybe that is the, the trigger for them to blow it up for next year, but who knows, but that brings us to our last series in the West. Probably my, my favorite, favorite series. series. Oh, oh wow. jinx, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Kings Warriors. Um, I think we talked a couple of times like how important seeding was for the Kings and that home court advantage, and I think it's really come to show here, just having pretty dominant performances at home against the defending champion Warriors. And now the Warriors, like they're also a, a horrible team on the road this season for whatever reason and a fantastic team at home and it looks like maybe it'll be two and two it'll be the home games that decide this and it could be that that seeding from you know the regular season the kings working hard could get them that victory or at least the advantage if it comes down to the seventh game in sacramento it's crazy uh i mean i the kings are a good home team but there's there's nothing like the way the warriors play at home it is it is absurd it's like they flip a switch and it, it doesn't really make sense to me, I mean, they have a great home crowd. I guess that part makes sense. But why they're so bad on the road doesn't make sense to me. Um, now, I do think Sacramento's a better team here. I, I think it's been pretty clear. Although, um, I, I think when Draymond was suspended for Game 3, that opened the door. Generally, I think it's hard to win that first game on the road 
when you're up 2-0 as a higher seed. We saw the Celtics struggle with Atlanta playing out of their minds um, in Game 3 in Atlanta. Um, and then Golden State kind of did the same, but they were without Draymond. So I, I thought that was a game to take. That's tough for Sacramento, uh, but uh, this is a must-win. If, if you get this series back to 2-2, I know you still have home court if you're Sacramento, but I'm, I, I don't want to mess around with the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. And just plus, like, the Kings have been doing pretty well uh, regarding that they don't have the playoff experience, but the Warriors have that experience. So so it's it's really important to take the games you can get. And with it, I really wonder what the, the like, makeup of the crowd is. Because with that being, like, a 45-minute plane ride, as I think Draymond was saying, um, not super far in terms of, like, some other series and matchups, uh, it could... I wonder if the fans are traveling. Like, you think it's like ten percent Warriors fans in Sacramento? Like, they they definitely travel. Uh, they definitely do. I wonder if they. I, I don't know if you remember this, but it was, I think it was in the NFC Championship or either a different playoff game that it was Rams Niners, and yeah. I think uh, it was in SoFi, and they restricted people from San Francisco from purchasing tickets i think i forget how they did it but however they tried it didn't really work i wonder if the kings are doing something of the same uh concept i'd have to look it up i have a feeling they they either do or 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 don't that's not very helpful uh i'm curious so either way the the kings fans are drowning them out because that place is rocking yeah i mean the sack b reported that there were fewer uh, Warriors fans that anticipated in um, Game One in Sacramento, but Band they want me to, to subscribe five dollars for three months to read the rest of the article. So <laughs> I can't I can't see if they they said anything about the uh, like the address restrictions and all that that they were able to do for the NFL. Hmm. Well, shout out to the Sacramento Bee. If you'd like to send us a subscription <laughs> for the shout out, a nice little fair trade, right? Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's curious. Less than less than anticipated. Maybe just because somehow the king's demand was higher than anticipated. That's my only only thinking there. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I guess, especially game one. That's their first playoff. You know, that's probably what it is. Game one was their first playoff game in sixteen years. Everyone and their mother wanted to go to that game in Sacramento. So maybe maybe that's the uh, the reasoning. I'd be interested to see if there's some like comparison between the games there, but. Then again, the fan fan attendance is not everything. They're still playing a basketball game, and they still mm-hmm. have to. They still played great basketball in order to defeat the Warriors at home. There. Yeah, that's my that's my thing with the Kings at the moment. There's a lot of skepticism on this this super fast paced high level offense. Is it a regular season offense, and and can they sustain that offense in the playoffs? Well, I got I got three sentences for you. They can, they are, and they're good. They're, they're playing really well. De'Aaron Fox, again, clutch player of the year. Shout out to him. Uh, Sabonis, they've been able to win without him being uh, like the MVP candidate that he was. Again, not like a real MVP candidate, but he'll get votes. He'll get fourth, fifth, sixth place votes. Uh, Malik Monk, super high-level firepower. Harrison Barnes, clutch buckets. Kevin Herter playing very well. Davon Mitchell even got in the action. Trey Lyles hitting some threes. Alex Len giving him some solid big man minutes. Uh, they're they're like a they're a legitimately good team. Uh, if you didn't watch the Kings this year, then uh, I'm sorry for you because they've they've been a good team. Even Keegan Murray, uh, rookies who's played kind of above his years, they're a good team. Um, I think that's what's really interesting if they end up playing the Lakers because you know the Lakers hold Memphis to basically under 100, 101 yesterday. So. We talked about the different styles of of Denver and Phoenix. I think the Lakers and the Kings are are also um, employing that same difference in defense versus offense, and so that is something is if we get to that point, super super exciting. Yeah, for sure, definitely exciting matchups in the West, but um, also in the East. I guess maybe we'll start with. Are, are you done with the West? You ready to move on to the East? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well. Philly Nets, uh, six, 76ers Nets, I guess, because that series is over. A little clean sweep. Uh, is that easy, oh, back-to-back easy back years, the Nets gotten swept? Um, That's a tough look. By contender. Yeah. But I guess th- j- 
after this just makes me think like Mikal Bridges with all the love he's been getting can he be a number one t- number one option on a playoff team or on any team uh, well it's it's a little early to say I mean he's had you know maybe probably not even this many 30 games as being the number one option while being traded mid-season and he's talked about how he's had to you know, work with the coaching staff because they had everything designed for KD and Kyrie and an isolation offense. And they're, they're neither of those play or <laughs> neither of those players are there and no one on this roster can play like that. Uh, I, I do think Macau could be a star level option on a contending team. If that's, I don't know if that's closer to the number one option or the number three option. I think he probably settles in as a high level Chris Middleton type player. Okay. As a number two, um, maybe he doesn't need a Giannis level player next to him. Maybe he needs, I don't know, like Jimmy Butler. Kind of intriguing fit now that I think about it. Jimmy Butler or uh, Jalen Brown. Uh, don't say that. Don't, please, <laughs> no, no, thank you. Uh, Zion <laughs> Williamson. I don't know. Um, I, I don't. Know. I, I think mikhail has been really good. Um, obviously, super weird season for him, and I wouldn't chalk up his playoff performances um or rather i wouldn't take them too seriously i, I don't think it diminishes the level of players he's still super young super durable super great on both ends getting better with the playmaking and the shot creation um super valuable asset actually one of the sneaky really valuable assets in the league yeah for sure but what's uh interesting is Again, that series is over, but we're already looking ahead quickly, even though they're going to have... Philly's probably going to have a couple game, couple days off here. Because Joel Embiid is hurt, and his timeline's in the air. I believe it's 50-50 if... I think Doc Rivers said if he'll be back for game one of the next round. Wow. James Harden, he has been very bad from two-point range, and that's against a really undersized Brooklyn uh, front court. And if they made it to the next round... And if they likely played Boston, James Harden's going to be guarded by Marcus Smart, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. So the, the, the sledding only gets tougher. And Boston historically has had Philly's number in the Joel Embiid era. So is Philly, are they are they cooked already? Are they down and out? Should we count them out or, or should we hold out any hope for them? I mean, we can't count them out with uh, the possible MVP award that Joel gets. But if they do just not show up against the what's looking like going to be the Celtics in the next round, then could this be a narrative MVP in the, in hindsight? A uh, he hasn't won it. He started complaining about not getting it. Um, he got the MVP award. Or like it'll be interesting to see how this affects uh, this when we look back on things. Like, <laughs> but you can't count you can't count him out yet. He is Joel Embiid. He is a monster. He'll get his free uh, free throw attempts. He'll get his points, whether he's feeling 100% or not. Um, I think 50-50 that we do see him in the first game is uh, we're probably going to see him in the first game, um, especially against the Boston Celtics. Like, You need your star players in, in a series such as that. That could be the, um, well, based off how Milwaukee's playing right now, that could be the deciding series for who comes out of the East. I don't think I'd chalk it up to a narrative MVP. Every MVP, every award, just the way it is, the discourse, the talk, the chatter, everything is narrative-based. I don't think we'll look back and say he wasn't deserving. He's been an MVP top-level candidate for the last couple of years. Uh, Nikola Jokic, he trailed off towards the end. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he missed a lot of games. Every other candidate really missed games. You know, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, uh, Luka Doncic, that team just fell off the map. The Celtics, you know, if they were the clear runaway, I think Jason Tatum is a lot more in that discussion. He was not. Um, so, I jo- look, Joel Embiid is very deserving of, again, th- this is still isn't formally announced, of his likely MVP. So, I don't know. I don't think we're going to change based on It's a regular season award. Like, it's just the reality of it. That is true. That is true. But that makes me think of, uh, like, speaking of Giannis and the Milwaukee-Miami series, what's happening? Like I know he's he's hurt, but it is still the Bucks who, um, you know, won pretty handily without him a game already, right? But like, well, what's going on? I wasn't able to watch that game. Were you? Uh yeah. So the one yesterday, you mean? Yeah, yeah. So 
Uh, Drew Holiday is a very good player. He's had a fantastic year. I think he deserves more love. Uh, due to the way the guard position is, I don't think he's going to make an All-NBA team. I wish I could find a spot for him. Hope I hope he makes an All-Defensive team because he's just had a really, really good year in a really weird season for Milwaukee, even though they were the number one seed in the East. Um, but Chris Milton still isn't right. Uh, I believe he... I think he's a free agent this upcoming offseason, and this is going to be a very interesting, pivotal point for the Milwaukee franchise. Because um, obviously, he, he has been in Milwaukee for either as long as Giannis has or for maybe like one less season. He, he is tied with Giannis for his career, essentially. He's tethered to him. Everything you think about Middleton as associated with Giannis. And so... Without him being the guy that he used to be, the Celtics killer, so maybe if we get to that point, maybe he'll he'll wake up again. Uh, it's it's been uh, it's been strange. Uh, Brooke Lopez has been good. Bobby Porter has been fine. Drew's been fine. Um, you know, Conton, Grayson Allen, uh, f- fine. But again, if you're gonna if you're not gonna have Giannis in the lineup, you need Middleton shooting. You need him to be able to go. Maybe not not a shot for shot, but you need him to at least try to match this, the firepower of Jimmy Butler. Yeah, yeah, and the the Heat are consistently able to do more with less. I mean, we've seen it seems like every season Jimmy Butler comes out of nowhere and becomes a. We have the conversation of is he Michael Jordan's long lost son? Like the serious conversation for those who don't know, uh, there is a conspiracy out there. Like, uh, it could be the case, but. Can the Heat win games quickly enough to capitalize on Giannis's injury? I think that's what's important in this series. Is can they can they grab the next game and then even if Giannis comes back, all of a sudden they have a little bit of a cushion um, from what should have been, uh, maybe not should have been, but could have been an easy sweep for the Bucks, or maybe a lot of people were anticipating that it would be, but is now becoming a very competitive series. Well, I think they, I, I think it was in the Milwaukee Miami broadcast. If it wasn't, it was another Game Three broadcast. But I believe uh, whoever it was, I want to say Dave Pash on ESPN was saying whoever wins Game Three in a best of seven series wins the series. I think it was like seventy three percent of the time, Miami wins that pivotal Game Three, and now they're gonna have another game in the Miami Dade County Arena, and if they go up three one. Things are very dangerous for Milwaukee. Now, I, I think they thought they'd be able to get through this series without Giannis, but you can't really waste years of Giannis's prime. Now, I don't think they'd be... Well, I guess losing in the first round would be a waste of it, but you need to do anything and everything you can do to win the series, and because that's just the mentality. When you have a player that great, when you have a player like LeBron James, you, you have to try every year that's why they you know you're always trading first round picks you're always going all in because you have a player that can affect winning that much just through one singular player on a roster so i don't know it's it's gonna be super crazy and and all this talk is we're not even talking about jimmy butler right now who i think other than the whole Giannis thing it's another testament to how great of a playoff performer he is like is he the Greatest playoff performer since LeBron, if we're going farther back, Kobe or Dirk or Wade, Shaq. Like, how far back do we have to go? I almost want to subscribe to that long lost son of Michael Jordan because if you look at the like certain pictures, the way their their eyes and their mouth are, they look the same. And then the like Jordan was in like Houston the same time Jimmy's mom was in the same year, like like nine months before Jimmy was born. I think that's the whole theory. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fascinating theory. I, I, I want to subscribe to it just for fun, but, uh, it's probably not true. I, I mean, and I, I think just the, the, the thing that Jimmy Butler has that always reminds me of Jordan is just the ability to just turn it on. And like, if you watch the last dance, you know, Jordan like finds any reason to like have a chip on his shoulder and it feels like Jimmy Butler is always playing with a chip on his shoulder. There's always like something going on. He's always proving everybody wrong when he's playing. Um, it makes me think of the Celtics series last year of mm. just like him, him. Yeah, that was scary. That three pointer that flashbacks. he missed. 
Hey, he was four for four from three, I think, uh, in this last game. So he he's been working on those those clutch threes, and this is a this is a team that could make a sneaky run uh, into the playoffs. The only thing against the the turning it on like Jordan is I don't think Jordan ever turned it off. <laughs> Jimmy Butler, uh, you know, he maybe doesn't take the regular season as seriously, and clearly it doesn't matter. I mean, they're playing well against the one seed right now. Um, may, but then again, if Michael Jordan was in like the quote modern NBA, would he think the same way? Would he be just get me in the playoffs? I don't care where I'm seated. I don't care who I'm playing. I'll win. I don't know. Um, but speaking of, of Boston, uh, we'll get to them quickly. Uh, they're up two one in the series right now. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. So game four is today. By the time this is out, um, this will either come out late Sunday or, or sometime early Monday. So you'll know where the series stands, hopefully. Uh, or uh, Yeah, hopefully 3-1 Boston. <laughs> but uh, my takeaway right now is that Trey Young is good. Why are people saying otherwise? Or rather, like if I'm a team in need of a scorer and a leader, I'm calling up Atlanta. I'm trying to get Trey on a discount because he's he's so good in the pick and roll uh, uh, his ability to manipulate defenses going downhill has been fantastic. Um, but if you look at the plus minus stuff, DeJounte Murray has been the far better point guard on the floor for the Hawks and everything they've been able to do around him. Uh, then again, the franchise icon that Trey is and everything he means to the city. You know, I don't know if the trade makes the most sense. Like I, I think people have thrown out the, the, I quote challenge trade uh, Trey Young for Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> see see where that is. <laughs> kind of intriguing the more you think about it. But um, I don't know Trey. I think if he ends up getting traded, I mean obviously the fit is is dependent here. But I, I'd feel excited. I think there's a lot of parts of his game that could be could be uh, exploited in a good way, and and I think he has a lot of room to improve, and he's already a very very good player. Yeah, and I think sometimes the reason like some of his criticisms are like his efficiencies and it's just like he's hucking up shots. Has he ever had like a super duper clear number two? Like I guess I guess DeJounte Murray is like not a horrible number two. Yeah. But I'd be interested to pair him next to like I don't know, Luca's not the player, but like another person who's capable of being a number one, number two and like a, a true scorer kind of thing. And see see what happens with that. Yeah, I mean, I guess the second best player he's played with would be scoring wise. I guess you're looking at like John Collins or DeAndre Hunter or or Daniel Gallinari, Bogdanovich. Like it, it's it's not a great list. So I, I I think you're right. I think one player you you look at is like oh like a like a Paul George type because everyone wants a Paul George type. Well, Paul George can't stay on the floor. So I don't know if a Paul George type makes the most sense. Uh, I mean, they were kind of, some people were theorizing they were, they were loading up and trying to go after Kevin Durant this past off season. Uh, that would have been interesting. Said they, they went with DeJounte, definitely a different fit. Um, yeah. Well, hear me out. The whole James Harden to Houston, some sort of sign and trade deal. We get Trey Young. To Philly? Wait, to Philly. Huh. I mean, I don't know, like James Harden in Atlanta. I mean, they have their own, they have their own um, late night establishments. I'm sure. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, certainly the pick and roll stuff is interesting. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'd personally rather have Damian Lillard, but it's I, I haven't heard that one thrown out there. It's that's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, and I feel like you know you're close to the Knicks. You play them a little more often. Like that would be fun as well. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> I, I like love a... the, the Trey Young in New York. I don't think the Knicks and the Sixers are necessarily like a quote rivalry, but they certainly the same division play each other a lot. There's the close proximity. I don't think people from Philly and New York like each other. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, or yeah, but I think I think we we have just uncovered something. Trey needs a score, a, a true player around him, and uh, whether that's him getting out of Atlanta or Atlanta getting someone in would be interesting to see. But this is not like super related to the series itself. But you know, just looking at the the box score and stuff, I know the Celtics are so deep. Like, what's going to happen to the players like Peyton Pritchard and Grant Williams? And like, how do how do the Celtics keep this depth like in future seasons? Because Peyton Pritchard hasn't played um, 
throughout this series. And when he did play was when uh, the Celtics, I think his last game of the season, the Celtics were arresting a lot of people. And he had a 30 bomb with, I forget how many threes, and just like played very well. And then, he, you know, he's not making the starting lineup. And it's because there's people better than him in the starting lineup. But like, do you think he's gone? Do you think Grant Williams is gone? Do you think the Celtics, like, will that affect them next year? Um, well, I think the Celtics need to keep drafting and developing and striking while the iron's hot. I mean, with Pritchard and Grant, they both got them late in the first round. And they both developed them to the point where Pritchard is, granted, he hasn't really had the opportunity, but he would be a high-level spark plug backup point guard. He's everything we think Bones Highland is to a degree, <laughs> um, but yeah. Bones Highland really isn't. Uh, Pritchard, yeah, he asked for a trade around midseason because he wanted the op- opportunity to play more. Um, and I think in the right role, I think he'd be really good. So there's a chance he's gone because I don't think they're necessarily going to pay him with their big luxury tax bill, especially if they get Jalen Brown on his extension. Uh, Grant Williams, he he looked like he was going to command a lot more money, but he sort of fell out of the rotation. So he looked like he was going to get a lot less. But now he gets inserted in the game in game three. He lights it up uh, from three-point range. Uh, so it's really hard to tell where his value is going to be. But the Celtics, they might need to trade and and sort of do these things at the right time. And they've had some really good timing with a lot of these things. When they got Derek White at last year's trade deadline, at first I thought if it was a slight overpay when they included the, I think it was a 2028 pick swap. I was like, why? Why would you throw in something that far away? It doesn't make sense to me. But uh, Derek White, the way he's been playing, spent the Celtics' third best player this season. And if you look at the way trade values and first-round picks have been floating around, you would think Derek White would be worth more now. Malcolm Brogdon, they get him this offseason because they needed another ball handler. They don't really give up anything other than Aaron Neesmith and this year's first-round pick. It goes out and wins six-man of the year. Super important in that guard rotation, especially with Marcus Smart, um, his his normal injuries and his offensive deficiencies. Uh, yeah, I think they've had really good timing. I think that could be a scenario with Pritchard where they drafted him, they developed him, and they, they might find a good home and a right fit and the right timing for a trade this offseason. And I think they like this kid Davison, the second-round pick, another spark plug sort of small scorer out of Alabama. Uh, he's been lining it up in the G League. I think you know maybe he could be a Pritchard replacement. Um, but honestly, yeah, this, this depth's going to be important. We saw how important it, it could have been or needed to be last finals for the Celtics as they struggled the the matchup with the Warriors and depths improved this season. They're going to need it if they want to make a long run. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that brings us to our last series, uh, Cavs Knicks. Um, are the New York Knicks good? Are they a well-constructed team? Like, I mean, they are. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. We yeah. kind of, uh, <laughs> I remember like last year saying, Oh, you know, like Jalen Brunson there, like maybe not the, the best move for him to like be a contender, but you know, they'll get in the playoffs and it'll mean a lot to New York and uh, it'll be winning basketball brought back. And it seems like that's exactly what's happened. They've gotten the playoffs. They're in the the conversation and they're worthy of it because they've been playing very well. I'd like to say we were relatively on in terms of maybe not predicting how good Jalen Brunson would be. Cause I don't think anyone could have predicted he would be this level of a player. And in this big of a role and the the scoring and just the, the leadership and everything like that. But he he made the Knicks relevant. We were right about that. He was able to carry them to the playoffs. I think we were right about that. And he gave them someone the Knicks to root or Knicks fans root for. We're right about that. And he gave them competency. Certainly, that's an understatement at the point guard position. So I think he he's done everything that the Knicks wanted them to do his contract is declining i don't know if you know that it goes down every year it's like minus five percent or something i don't know you can do it in 2k but you don't see people do it in real life that much um it's great i mean if they manage to improve the rj barrett spot i don't know donovan mitchell that could be like an interesting type of player um if they manage to improve that spot again look out and i that same rationale goes for the Cavs. If they get a real wing to fix these sort of Okoro slash Levert minutes, because Levert's good, he's inconsistent. Okoro, he's good at defense, he can't score. If they get a real wing, they're going to be really good. <laughs> if they, someone who can take some of the burden off of Garland and Mitchell. 
So, I, for, you know, who knows? There, there's one player that comes to mind, uh, Jalen Brown. <laughs> okay. I, I think Jalen Brown has turned into the Paul George where we just be like, oh, he could fit anywhere. He's a three and D wing. Uh, he's He doesn't need the ball. He can play defense. He can score. He can shoot. He can attack the rim. Calm down. <laughs> no, I, I'm joking. I'm joking. It seems with the, the new rules, uh, the Celtics will be able to keep Jalen Brown. Is that going to affect now? Do you know? Uh, it would be the offseason. But I think he's going to make all NBA t- uh, anyway. So I think he'll be eligible for Supermax. Gotcha, gotcha. And I believe the Knicks have. Do they have a Mavericks uh, first round pick this year? Uh, it's top 10 or 11 predicted. So I think the Mavs need to jump up a little bit. There, there's like an X percentage of them keeping the pick. If they made the playoffs, they would forfeit the pick because there'd be no way for them to be in the lottery. Gotcha. It is a pretty deep draft. Like there is a possibility that um, with like the, the late lottery picks, like someone like. Jordan Hawkins, who's a UConn, projected around that late lottery. Um, I wonder if he would be a a good plug-in at that position. Yeah. I mean, he could be. No, no, plug-in. Plug-in. He's he's a potential player. He's not going to start when he arrives anywhere he he is, most likely. But Uh, I I bet bet he could start in... uh, He could probably start in Charlotte, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, probably. Unless uh, Miles Bridges uh, is reinstated. Oh, God. I don't even want to talk about that. No, thank you. (laughs) But um, one last thing I wanted to say. I think, uh, you know, there's so much potential. These teams really have a lot of future picks or assets to a degree. Uh, This could be just the start of a future Cavs-Knicks, maybe not rivalry, but um, we could see these matchups in the playoffs for the years to come, and I'm kind of excited for that. Uh, Anything else to say on any of these series before we wrap it up here, Duncan? No, I think that's it. I'm excited to to get into the the end of these playoffs. I'm really excited for the Milwaukee-Miami, see how that unfolds. Uh, That's a big unknown and be one of the few times that an 8 has upset a 1 in the playoffs. Uh, Yeah, I don't think it's happened um, since Dallas-Memphis, I want to say it was a series, in like 2013, 2012, something like that. Um, Well, while Duncan looks that up, um, (laughs) uh, last week's poll, again, find this on Spotify. If you click the episode's description and scroll down. Now, there's like a bit of a bug. It the polls didn't show up for like a little bit. So if you didn't get the chance to vote, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but they should be back moving forward. Again, I'm not the one who writes the code for Spotify, so I'm not exactly sure how it works. Duncan, did you find the answer? It was the Spurs. But yeah, the Grizzlies upset the Spurs. Oh, it was wrong, wrong uh um Texas team. What year? Oh, two thousand eleven. Ah, just off. Yeah. Dang, dang, dang. Um, yeah, I think I was in like I remember, I, I think it was around like fifth, sixth, seventh grade, something like that. Um, Yeah, anyways, last week's poll. Boy, talk about head coaches. We started this episode talking about Nick Nurse and maybe he could be a fit for Dallas. Our last week's question was, will Jason Kidd be head coach of the Mavs next season? Um, we got a split vote, 50-50, yes, no. I went with yes because I think... I think Luca values him as a former player, someone who gets him. Um, and I think he would want continuity. He, again, he Luca has not had a lot of continuity. That organization really hasn't for a while. So I don't know. I just went with my gut. Where do you stand on this? I think, I think it's going to come down to what Luca wants. So yep. if Luca decides he stays, he stays. If Luca decides he leaves, he leaves. They need to really be catering to, to Luca right now. Yeah, I don't know where if Luca wants a yes man, so maybe Jason Kidd is more of a yes man in that regard, or if he wants someone to challenge him, maybe that's what Nick Nurse is. Uh, we'll see. Um, super intriguing. The Mavericks, they'll be, they might be the new Lakers, the way we talk about them, the way they're going to be talked about. <laughs> Luca's the new LeBron in that, <laughs> in that aspect. Uh, all right. So, anything to say on the way out, Duncan? No, that's all I got. That's all we got. So again uh keep an eye out for uh uh, another episode coming soon probably either recapping the first round 
uh, getting ready for the second round, checking on second round, something like that. And then, you know, big NBA dates coming up here. Draft lottery is, again, one of the big ones. I think we'll might have to bring in a draft expert on that, you know, bring it back to the show, bring Ryan back to the show. Uh, we'll see. Anyways, stay tuned. Uh, keep a lookout for all that, and we will catch you next time.